Art Chat is made possible by the support of the Artistics Harmonies Association. Create your next aha experience with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Art Chat. My name is Linda Riesenberg Fissler. I'm your host today, and I'm very happy to have two of my Artistic Harmony board members with me. Hi, John. Hi, Ralph. Hello. Hello. <laughs> John and I have been working on Artistic Harmonies for about, I don't know, the last, is it almost two years now? Well, it's 18 months. Yeah. 18 months, yeah. Okay, so over two years. And Ralph joined us last year as uh, a board member, and he's got a really interesting background uh, working with a number of different companies. I don't know, do you guys want to talk any more about what you're up to or just want to hop into the conversation? Well, I think uh, hoping that everybody's been to the website and seeing picture of Ralph and what he does, that that's that would be great. But I think we ought to let Ralph explain a little bit what his uh, schooling was at the uh, University of Tennessee and the different companies he's worked with and what he's done. Okay, so Ralph, give us a give us a lowdown on you. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, my degree is a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Tennessee. So I was a graphic design and fine art major when I was in school. I started out, could always draw, hand draw, um, started out thinking I wanted to be an architect. So I started in the School of Architecture and I, I was in the architecture curriculum for about three years. I really loved historic preservation, still do. Um, but as I was going through school, I was also intrigued by art classes, taking art, um, graphic design. And when I was in school, this was way before computers, but I have learned over the years, you know, with my career and everything to be, you know, working in that world and digital world and how media has changed and everything is up there, so to speak, in the cloud anymore, you know, but you're still doing things like, you know, I was just telling Linda earlier today, I was doing some fine art. I was painting furniture and just really getting joy out of using my freehand doing that. Um, through my career and I'm retired now, but still working on various projects and you know different things here and there. Um, ended up working with some ad agencies, but primarily ended up in the retail sector. And I was always working in marketing and advertising and retail. So I spent a lot of time promoting these various retail companies that I worked with um, through starting out with traditional media. Um, I started out actually as a production artist, um, advanced to an illustrator at that time when you looked at advertising and things that a lot of the retail stores were doing they had illustrations hmm. advertising their products so i did that for two or three different companies so i got to use my freehand there that i was way before the computers were you know adding their art into our art then um ended up just learning a lot of different things along the way just because of what i was thrown into so I had a lot of variety of what I could bring to the table besides just drawing. So, I, you know, I, I worked with companies that we were starting them up. So I got to wear a lot of different hats and wearing a hat today because we're working, <laughs> cleaning up the fraternity <laughs> house John and I are doing today. Um, but so I got to, I learned media buying. I learned um, how to do video production. I learned how to do um, build stores. I did visual merchandising for stores. I did, you know, so I got to bring some of my architecture training into that. I was actually designing shop concepts and design stores oh. and you know all of that type of thing so i'm kind of really really well-rounded in a couple of the companies that you know earlier in my career because i just happened to be in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. so as i you know just like a lot of people in their careers as you go through your career you 
once you advance and you, you know, you take more and more responsibility and you're, you know, as you go from job to job and company to company that, you know, it, it evolves somewhat. So I became, you know, as I was retiring and everything, I was in management roles and, you know, I was always vice president. So this, <laughs> this department of the marketing department or something within a company. So was overseeing staffs, overseeing multi, you know, multi-million dollar budgets, um, dealing with a lot of that, got getting to see a lot of, um, growth and, you know, what went on, but also, you know, having, being able to do what, you know, a lot of what we do here and, you know, looking at young artists, looking at young people coming in, coming in out of school or coming in out of whatever situation that they're in and them, them exploring new worlds that are presented to them. And mm -hmm. how do I bring my talents, you know, and, you know, and it was interesting and I retired after 40, 43, 44 years. And Ralph, uh, Ralph had the opportunity to travel the world too, which yeah, well, I was doing this. Yeah, I've it's, seen yeah. I've seen some pictures of the different locales that he filmed on, and yeah, and that'll where he get to shoot, and yeah. and um, you know, so that was that was always fun. But one of the the greatest joys that I really enjoyed was being able to see um, young people that were working with within my divisions or coming in, and you know, and I always strongly believe in a team environment. You know, we all have our talents and stuff and we all have to lift each other up and and it makes for a better cake so to speak but just seeing them grow and you know everybody has, has said a lot all through my career you should be a teacher I really enjoyed that aspect of it and being able to see people you know get their wings and fly and right. see what they do with something and and in you know and even today today you know because I'm still working with with young people in various projects and stuff I'm excited to learn from them, you know, and it was always a two-way street with me, but really now with the change, you know, the, the very, very constant change of our medias and, and, you know, where we're putting our art and how art's coming into our world and messaging and how fast everything is, mm -hmm. it's really fun to watch other people do it and kind, you know, in whatever that is and glean from them and, and vice versa, hopefully. Hopefully um, I'm still putting something out there that people get, can get inspired by, but... I assume but, that you're including me in that. Oh, always. Group this group. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the young it is, and you know, and I think you can sit there and get it on and I, you know, that we've been around a little bit, but we are still very young at heart. Yep. And and that's part, you know, somebody said it earlier today. It's like if you stop moving, you're gonna stop moving. Yeah. And and one thing that we I think in our industry and our chosen choice of what we want to do on earth or what we're blessed with we get to look at a lot of beauty we get to look at a lot of things that challenge us and intrigue us and stuff like that and it does keep you fresh it keeps you current it keeps you um excited mm -hmm. you know i find very little art that brings me down i know that was not what you <laughs> asked me you know, you kind of want to background to what i what i do but i'm still in you know i'm still into it i right. I, I love nothing more and and in retirement i've had the luxury of being able to spend time once again with art that I didn't right before. right and that art can be which I'm, I'm growing a vegetable garden right now this morning I was out at six o'clock in the morning in a vegetable garden looking <laughs> at, at that art you know and go wow look at what I made you know so it's it's there so that's kind of me you, you early birds just I just don't know how you do it <laughs> so, I'm a night owl I <laughs> 
if if I saw if I see six o'clock, it's because my husband woke me up to say we have to get going for a cycling ride in the summer. Otherwise, o'clock in the morning and I do do not get along. Well, I'm not necessarily (laughs) always up at six. It's kind of still there because I was you know working, but I also had to meet John earlier today, so I had to get my. Well, there you go. (laughs) To get into the the show, which um, is basically pondering the myths and realities of being an artist or a, a creator today, a creative entrepreneur today. I'm going to give you everybody out there a warning. As, as up and, and um, enthusiastic as, as Ralph has sound and John sounds at times, there are things out there that can trip us up. So one of the things that I'm, I'm going to say right up in front is issue guys a warning that we're probably going to mention some myths and some realities that really sound like they're a downer. Um, we're really going to call some things out but I think these are things that you need to know going into situations that will help you become a better artist, become a better business artist, the business entrepreneur part of artist, and, and really make you stop and think about the value your art brings to the world, the value that you bring to the world, because that's really, for me, the most important thing. Um, and I think if we step back as an artist and really look at ways that we're taken advantage of is probably the nice way of putting it. Uh, There's, you know, there's a lot out there that everybody's taking a piece of the pie, but do they really have to take that much of the pie? You know, could they get with a smaller piece of the pie to, to make their living and, you know, really start asking your question, you know, questioning yourself, you know, what's your voice saying? What's your style saying? you know, what's this gallery trying to do? And is it part of your vision of what you want to do? Um, but there always seems to be you know, the, this voice of, of people. And when I say people, I'm talking about probably maybe professional artists, maybe your mentors, maybe your teachers, uh, depending on where you are in your art career, are saying, oh, no, that's not the way we do it. We do it this way. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk to you about all of the different kind of myths that are out there, all the different kind of realities that are out there. And hopefully we present it in a way that provides you some guidance in the future and not, you know, so Debbie Downer of the whole thing. <laughs> but um, so with that, we're going to jump into one of what I call the first myths. And um, Ralph and, and John, you both have been in the business side of things. Ralph was, you know, more in a creative business situation than I think John and I were. Although the weird thing is, is at Procter and Gamble, I always got hit on not being creative enough, which, which <laughs> always kind of made me laugh because in the background, I'm writing a book or I'm, you know, I'm doing yeah. a painting or something like that. But when you, when you start talking to me about being creative, about what a baby needs in a diaper, <laughs> you know, yeah. to me, it was like, if it catches everything, it works, it's fine. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have to worry about being creative anywhere else. But but so there's always, you know, this this bit of creativity that goes into basically any job that you're doing. Um, So let's let's start with a a foundation. I'd I'd like to remind people just basically what you said. She has written five books, folks. So when she said I wrote a book, she just finished her last uh, book in a series. And so she's quite talented, not only from an artistic visual arts standpoint, but from a literary standpoint. So if you get an opportunity, look up her books and order them because they're they're really good. (laughs) 
Thank you, John. Now I blush. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how um, folks get started on this journey. Some, there are like a number of different ways that, and and we're going to narrow it down to, to artists basically at this point, but I think anybody else who's not a, a visual artist or sculptor or something in that way can also, you know, find similarities along the path. So some folks go into uh, art by going to college, studying fine art, uh, like Ralph did with, you know, his interest in art. And some folks uh, pick it up as a hobby and then decide that they want to make that their career, kind of like I did. I left Procter & Gamble after 26 years and decided I was going to be a full-time artist that I can talk about a lot of the myths (laughs) that I had going into that. And then, you know, a third way is, you know, they're self-taught. They they don't really have any mentoring from any professional artists and we're kind of um, out on our own. So if we look at those three different ways, and if you look at the art careers out there today, you could say you're pretty much, we're pretty much in silos. We don't really talk about or or know about artists, outside of our little group or clique or whatever you want to call it. So with that, we can become encouraged at the same time discouraged uh, with our craft because it may not, as we, let's say we graduate from college, we, all right, you know, my art's the best. I'm, I'm out there. I'm trying to market it. Nothing's happening. I can't pay my bills you know, what do we, what do we do from there? Because one of the things I think that's pretty evident and, and you guys can correct me on this is if I go to college and I study fine art, you're studying the craft of fine art. You're not studying how to market that. Is that pretty much true? Okay. Right. Okay. So, um, and just like in the regular world is there's this whole thing about, um, like when I walked into Procter & Gamble, Ralph, when you walked into your first job, John, when you walked into your first job, we weren't experts, right? We, we thought we were. <laughs> exactly. So I graduated with college with a fine art degree. I think I'm an expert. Absolutely. Yeah. And you are, you have, I mean, in a way you are, you have a lot of knowledge, yeah. but yeah. but we don't have any experience to go with that knowledge and, and how the real world works. So um you know, we have to kind of, we, we definitely have to kind of over, you know, with time, earn that expert badge. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Linda, kind of what you said, uh, you alluded to a few minutes ago, too, was that people who are creative value that creativity, and it's important to them. Right. And then when they grow to the point that they, they, they're saying, hey, I really want to do this all my life. They fall into that trap of letting other people value their work. And so for me, whenever I talk to people about going into business is don't sell your values short. You should be able to, just because somebody says, well, I'll give you $500 for this painting, you know what's what's worth, what you're worth. So don't sell it for $500, you know, because they have to, they have to understand that the value in terms of the business structure is important because that's how you make your living. So 
I think that's very important that you just don't give in to other people claiming what your value is. You create your own value. You use your creativity. You explain it well. And then you don't let galleries take 50% of everything you paint. So you really have to get out there and network and, and find collectors on your own or get with somebody that is is good enough that won't charge you an arm and a leg. So yeah. and, and and with the world that we're in right now that we're sitting here talking this and, and social media and stuff, it's it's pretty instantaneous that you can find some of these answers that you need. But I think just you know, having my my, my personal story and what I've witnessed to others, we're all uniquely talented. We we say, you know, we have a unique talent, but, you know, what John's saying is very, very true. Don't sell yourself short. But at the same time, when you're sitting there and you're trying to get a job and you can't get a job because you don't have the experience or you don't have this connection or whatever, it's a it's kind of a catch 22 situation. You go, what do I do? And then also, if you're sitting there going, I don't want to sell myself short because I know my value of my art. I feel like I know what the value of my art is, but you have bills. You have a life that you have to lead. You have to be able to go through, you know, it's it's great that you can sit there and go, I want to be a fine artist all my life and sit up in my in my attic loft and paint and you know have great music coming through and be all over the world. I got all over the world with my job, but it cost to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a bill involved with that as you're doing it. And it's not just something that I could just hop on a flight and just go to Milan or wherever and just just go do you know there is that there so there is a process to this that you know Linda you had talked a little bit about the excitement of it and then the the myth and the reality and the dark and the light there's darkness there is certainly darkness when you and especially because as an artist you are so personally attached to you know your art is a part of you Right. And and it's not, you know, and, and, you know, other careers are as well. But, you know, everybody always and this was another thing as I went through my career, everybody's always they don't really know how to approach an artist when they say I'm not happy with what you you have done because they're afraid they're going to break your heart mm-hmm. or, or break you. Because we wear, and they often do. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we wear our heart and our art on our sleeve. You know, mm-hmm. it's such a personal testament to who we are. That is a different thing. And as I went through my career, I learned, did it sting? Yeah, when my first thing out, my fifth, my sixth, my seventh, they kept saying no, 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 no. And I finally learned, you know what? You could have done better. Or there were times when I said, you know what? That was the right thing. And we went past it, but could have done better. And I would learn from it. And I would learn from it. And then I also, you know, just in, in, mentoring others as they would go through it too. I, I think you have to be, you know, in our community, we look, you have to look, we see things differently. I think, you know, somebody in the, in the field of art or that has that visual vision, we do think, see things differently. We see a lot. We see a lot that other people do not and we pick up on it. And yeah, yeah, you live and breathe off of each other, you know, when you're in that type of situation. And I think, you know, it's our responsibility as we go through this for that person that does come out that they're going, um, I don't really know how to get this going is, is to say, don't give up. You know, John's talking about don't undervalue yourself. Just don't give up. You have a talent in there. Yeah, it'll 
people will see it, yeah. you know, but you have to, you know, like you said, I wasn't taught in school how to put my stuff out there. I was just told, you know, when I got out of school, now you got to get a job, <laughs> and, you know, and it was like, cause you're going to have to pay to pay your way and figure out how to do it. And it's, it's a lot of searching, you know, and you, you're going to make, you're going to make mistakes and that's great. Cause you learn from all of them. There are so many artists and they all have something to give and it's just don't give up. Don't get down about it. You know, cause if you truly believe in yourself, someone will see what you've got don't quit yeah. yeah they will see what you've got and it'll it'll work out but i would say on you know and this may be going too far yet no i'll stop for a second but <laughs> the business side will be very perplexing yes it you will know, you if you if you haven't dealt with it it's just ah, so yeah yeah, it is. No, no, I think that's a fair point. There's a couple things that you guys, you both of you talked about that I want to kind of go back and, and revisit. One is, John, you were talking about, you know, don't undervalue yourself. But there's also a trap if you overvalue yourself, especially as you're coming out of the gate, right? Yep. So if I go in with a painting that if, you know, I'm 20 years in the future, I'm looking back at the stuff I painted 20 years ago, and I'm looking at it going, I asked for how much for that painting? Because my skills have improved so much. Yes, and I probably over asked a lot when I was younger. I mean, how many people when they first get out of college or they get, you know, they're in a mentoring program and their mentor tells them, you know, wow, yeah, you're really getting it. You know, and we all and the people that are self-taught, you know, bought so many books, read through them, know all their, you know, we all know our craft. I'm not saying that we don't know our craft. And we take that and we put it in a competition with people who have 15, you know, 10, 15, even five years of experience of painting out on their own with nobody, you know, giving you input or telling you how to refine your craft even more. You put that in a show and everybody in the, you know, it gets rejected. And of course, like any creative, we are so proud of our work and we should be, okay, we should be. Don't not hear that, folks. <laughs> we need to be proud of what we're doing. But it may not be up to the level of expertise of other people's work. So there is this there is this pitfall of, it's actually on both sides of the scale, undervaluing yourself and then overvaluing yourself when you don't have, it kind of leads us into a, the second part of that. But let, let's talk a little bit about, before we get into this, if both of you could talk a little bit about the pitfalls of overvaluing our work and what that says to potential collectors and customers that are out there. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think I have a little bit different perspective on it because I watch people and I think as an artist because you're creative and you watch events, people and you attempt to put that on canvas, you're seeking a way to communicate to that person that looks at your art. And so it's very important that you're able to explain because a lot of people might go up to a piece that you've done and said, well, why did you use this color or why, why is this over here? But if you can adequately explain it to them, now you take away, you actually add to the value because they go, oh, I get it now, you know. And so you're creating a higher level and value for that piece of art because you've connected with the buyer. So as you paint, 
even whether it's your first painting or your 2000th painting, when you're finished with the painting, if you just really study it and say, well, now why did I do this? Or should I do this better, et cetera, et cetera? You're gonna improve vastly. I'll never forget the first painting I ever did was a wharf scene and it had boats in it and all that. And uh, I showed it to my father and I started talking to him about color and light and perspective and all that stuff. And he said, yeah, but where are the boats? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's all in the perception of what you can communicate about the piece you've done. And by that, you improve your painting and you increase your value. Okay. So that at least that's my perspective on it. Yeah. Ralph? I think, um, I think. You know, John's saying, you know, you're, you're playing, you got to play your stuff against somebody else to kind of help evaluate. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of touched on a little bit already is the community is important. You know, it's an, it's very, very, it's not unusual as an artist to, to be, a, you know, be considered a solitary artist when we get caught up in our work. You know, there's not a whole lot of people sitting there beside us when we're doing it, unless it's something collaborative that you're working on. It's very, very personal and you're feeling it and you're doing it, whatever. But if you're not, you know, when you're sitting there talking about, you know, it's overvalued or un undervalued, if you're not keeping up with kind of what's going on with other people and when you go out in the community and surely if you're an artist, you're probably inspired to go out and look at other people's work you can kind of get an understanding of where you should be. And I would tell you that every one of us, when we start out, we probably do overvalue our work, yeah. you know, because we are very, very proud of what we bring to the table. And, you know, in my case, it was, I was coming into a corporate type situation in a, you know, a business world when I was showing my art and not going into galleries and stuff, I was showing my art to somebody in a marketing department to, to sell something. Mm -hmm. you know, that was going to be used to sell something. So, you know, I know we might touch on that later about, you know, you got to give and take some on your art in that type of situation. But I, I think when you are going out, you've got to be proud about what you're doing, because if you're not proud of it and not, mm -hmm. and if you're not inspired by it, somebody else isn't either. Right. But there is that going out and whether it's a bet, you know, and then John kind of a little bit said it, but if you can get that one person when you go out there and you're having that conversation with them, if you have one person that gets kind of clicks onto something that you're saying and sees something in your work, that that is a start right there to, you know, it may not be the ultimate benefactor to you or, but that is, that's what you have to do. You know, you're inspired by it. You've got to get other, you've got to bring other people into your world that, and that's going to help you decide okay if I get one people or two people or three or four or five that's going to give you kind of an understanding too wow there's a lot of people that are appreciating what I'm doing it probably is for this as opposed to that mm -hmm. and, and a, a good example of that too is that when I went to visit uh, Linda at one time we were in her studio and she had four or five works up there and I said well you know I'd like to take some of these back or will you bring them back to my home and she said she'd be willing to do that and then we were talking about value and there was one that she had done in Italy that I really really liked and I said oh well that's the one I want she said I wouldn't sell that for a million dollars oh no so France. it was France I'm like I didn't go France, to Italy. 
yeah, I've, I've got Italy on my mind. But yeah, so again, as an artist, you have that sole right to say, yeah, by golly, yeah. it's worth this, and I'm not going to sell it for less, you know. And that's that. Yes, <laughs> not for sale. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really kind of interesting because I think part of what we're getting into at this point is that miles of canvas when you're a when you're an oil painter or an acrylic or or sometimes even watercolor on on canvas we talk about miles of canvas you got to put in miles of canvas before you actually start discovering your style mm -hmm. and your voice okay and it's really kind of interesting because I think voice is kind of something that just sits out there in the zone and we tap into. I mean, <laughs> like if, and by the way, we are going to, I'm pulling in Carolyn Anderson, um, master artist from Montana. I, I don't know, Ralph, if you're familiar with her or not, but um, she's, uh, she's great and, and a very good friend. And we're going to actually talk about developing voice how do we develop a voice and we're going to do that through using some of the past masters works and talk about how like Monet and and uh, Soroya and, and and all of them found their voice over their paintings so tune in for that if you're having trouble finding your style and voice that's coming up later in August but it's really is interesting because you know at this point in time if I asked five different of my collectors what my voice is, I would probably get five different answers. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, and if I asked them what my style was, they would probably all hone into impressionism or representational art because that's what they heard me say. Okay. So um, but if I would talk with our good friend Jean Peterson and say, oh, I can't paint abstract, she'd point to a couple of my paintings and say, you know how close you are here? You know, yeah. all you need to do is this, you know, and, and we would have a big conversation about that. I think voice is so important, though, and I actually think it's more important than style. Yeah. Um, and what I want to talk about here and get into too, and you guys may not have as much experience with this as I do, but today when I look out at a number of artists that are out there, um, I see a lot of repeating style of current masters and how they paint. And a lot of the current masters um, teach as part of their living, which is which is great. Uh, I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying don't go study with master, you know, with with current masters. Go and do it because you can learn a lot if your mind is in the right place. This is part of that miles of canvas that we have to do. So the myth is kind of well, if I paint like the big guns, if I paint like the professionals, I'll win awards because you know X Y Z artists has won awards, and I'll have galleries seek me out because, well. My work is as good as their work. I'm copying them. So artists should, you know, galleries should seek me out and I should get as much money as the professional artist because it looks like their work, but there's nothing in it that says, this is that artist. This is who I am. This is my style. It just says I studied with, like I can look at art that is out there today and tell you exactly who they studied with because they haven't taken the time, and this is another conversation I'll get into with Carolyn, but I wanna hear your viewpoints on this as well, because folks aren't taking the time 
to really explore what it is they're trying to say. And I'm, you know, I, I'm going to put my hand up and say, there's a little bit of guilt here for me. I mean, I could ask you guys what my style is and you would, and what my voice is, and you probably would be able to tell me, but I think as part of the journey as an artist, you're constantly trying to hone that, that voice and, and bring out what it is you're trying to say. So let me hear you. Is that a, a true myth? Am I off the boards here? Um, you know, should we, should we, when we study with master well, artists? I think, I do believe that, you know, a lot of people do that. Um, I, I think it depends on what your end all is and, and why you're doing it and, and how, how you'll come out of that journey, so to speak. Um, there's a reason why you would, you know, like you said earlier, Linda, there might be something there that intrigues you that you really want to spend time with that that particular master artist and you're, you're appreciative of their work and you go, wow, I want to do it. And if you're end all, if you're sitting there and you touched on it and go, do I want to win awards? Do I want to make money? Do I want them whatever? You know, they people will sit there and go, yeah, well, they're doing it. So I should be doing the same thing if I do the exact same thing. But we all, you know, and, and even the master artists, they can sit there and go, yeah, okay, I've gotten to this point and this, this has really served me well. And I'm going to continue to do this for a while, but you still are, if you're not, you're probably dead. You're still <laughs> impacted by what's going on around you. And that's what you're expressing through your art. And, and at least me, you know, and I think yeah. everybody does that. And I do believe that I might spend time studying with you, Linda, mm -hmm. and I might pick up what you're putting down, so to speak. And I really am appreciative of it. And I know that's going to serve me well to be able to, to get that into what I'm bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. But I'm still going to get this, 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 and this that's going to hit me as I'm going through my journey. Yeah. And that, that should be coming out into your art and continuing to make you a unique artist. And, and I cannot believe, and I think, you know, and, and it, unless they die in the middle of that journey or like while they're doing that journey, I think we're constantly inspired by something that's going to add something new to the mix right you know and um i think you know yeah they can they can sit there but again what is your end all i mean do you need to at this moment in time make a lot of money and if you do that right now and you get that a lot of money that's going to satisfy you for x amount of time or x period and maybe it's going to be for infinity i don't know but if it doesn't, if you're just doing it for that time, you're going to move on to something else. And there's going to be something else that's going to trigger something in you as a as a creative, I think. I don't know what you think. And I think artistic harmonies, and I don't mind giving a shameless plug here, uh, we're looking to reach out to and find artists that want to test some of these things that Linda talks about on Art Chat and uh, her partner program of uh, Chat, Create, and Cocktails. And we're going to have a gala in Knoxville, Tennessee, an art gala in October of 2024. And we certainly invite people to submit their artwork uh, to a group of their peers and find yourself and find your voice and then come, come with us to Knoxville and be able to uh, talk to other artists, you know, learn from other artists. So I think everything that, uh, Ralph is just saying, and what Linda's expressed is all part and parcel to that, is to be able to network up with other folks 
and you know, and Linda, I, you know, and I may not, I might be totally off on on the how you're defining voice, but your voice is it's what you're experiencing, you know, is how your voice comes out. And we're all, you know, depending on where you're at in your life stage or wherever you might be or wherever you live or whatever, you're impacted by what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. So where you and I might have a similar voice to what's going on around us, if we're, you know, very close to each other or something, we're still going to be unique and how that voice comes out. Like, mine's got a real twang right now that you do not have. <laughs> well, I don't know. When you talk to Joe McGurl, he says, I'm from Kentucky, and I have a twang. So <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it is, like, it is, you know, that's that's the way your art is, too. And, you know, our voice may be really, really similar, but it's not. We, you know, we have our own inflection to it. Everyone's unique in their yeah, own. Yeah, 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 yeah. We just have to have the courage to tap into that uniqueness. Absolutely. And it's yeah. hard. It's hard if you don't have the support, whether it's through people or financial, to stand with your stance. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that's what we're talking about here today. And, you know, when you're when you're exhibiting or not exhibiting and, and I don't like to, I don't want to use but I would just sit there and say you do sell part of yourself sometimes you know a lot of the times not sometimes mm -hmm. to as you go through this journey you know to afford life to um to go from point a to point b um you know like you said i want to exhibit in this gallery as opposed to that gallery i want to be grouped in with this group as opposed to that group Mm -hmm. You're going to probably give up something for that, yeah, you know, right. some Absolutely. somewhat of your, or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be strong enough, and you just go, "I this is what I insist." And a lot of people will go, "You know what? I give them credit for that, and I'm going to see what I can do to help, you know, or to be a part of that journey with them." You know, okay. so you know, if, they, if they truly believe in what they're doing. And don't be discouraged if you can't ever paint boats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the I guess one of the things that I think would also help bust that myth of I have to paint like the the master artists of today to be recognized or or to gain some kind of financial security or something like that is to, you know, go ahead and, and study with them, but study the techniques of their work. Don't right. don't, you know, ask ask them questions why they express something the way that they have, but don't Put yourself in a corner saying, okay, so if I'm going to represent a peaceful, serene, you know, mountain scene, I have to paint the mountains this green color or, this, you know, break free of that and, and look at what really got you to say, ooh, when you saw what that master artist did. Don't right. copy how they did it. Explore in yourself how they how you want to express that you know yep. for me something being peaceful and serene might not necessarily be red you know peaceful maybe yeah. a pretty blue but wow. but ask yourself could you get could you take red and make something peaceful from that could you take purple and make something peaceful from that you know and really that's the way to challenge yourself studying with other professionals 
you know, is fantastic. I've done it. I, you know, I've, I've been mentored by a lot of the big names out there and each time they were frustrated with me because I wasn't asking, how did you do that? I was asking why, why did you do that? And why is, why, why are you teaching it as that is right? It It's not. And when I teach, it's really kind of interesting. I have a number of um, students and and all the things I always tell them is number one, straight out of the, the gate, I will never take your paintbrush and paint it. Because if I do that, it's no longer your painting. Right. But I will try to explain to you the reasoning I have on why I think something isn't working in your painting. Notice in that whole conversation, I never said they were doing it wrong. Right. Right. Okay. So and and the, each one of my students have become such better artists because I led them down the path of why is this not working? Let's talk about that versus, you know, it could be a drawing issue. It could be a design issue. Yeah. It could be a color choice. It could be right. any number of things, but they need to find that out so that they start to develop their own style and voice. And, yeah, and it, could be, it could be something totally unrelated to, to media, drawing, anything that day. There might be something sticking in their head that's not making it work for you. Right. You know, I, I know that was something when I was um, in my career and I was illustrating and I was doing fashion illustration for these retailers. You would you would get um, X amount of um, illustrations you had to do every day, you know, because you had to get them to get done and, you know, sitting there looking at clothing and looking at a model and drawing the things and stuff. And there were just some days... <laughs> Not all the time. You just could not draw. Yeah. Could not draw. And what I would do when I would have a day like that, or if it was happening in the morning and I knew I had to accomplish so much by the afternoon, I would stop down and I would start doing contour line drawings. And I would just take, I wouldn't look what I was doing. I would just take my eye and not even what I was supposed to be doing. I would go outside and draw. I would look at a car or something and I would draw it on the paper just to free up my mind because I was walking up. For whatever reason that really didn't have anything to do with that and as you were talking about can red be peaceful or blue be calm you know you know and you always think of that in color theory that this one evokes this this one evokes that it can be yeah it does do that supposedly to the viewer but in your eye how you're putting it out there and in your heart and how you're putting it there it can be whatever mm -hmm. you know in my mind you know and you can do that but i think you know the the thing that I go back to, and I just said it a lot, is stop what you're doing, and I I, I will do a contouring line drawing because I think it's interesting <laughs> when you take a bunch of students and you have them in a class, and you do that, and you see how everybody interprets it with their hand and with their eye, the same thing, yeah. and that's where you sit there and go, look how unique you are. You know, we all looked at the same thing. We weren't looking at what we were doing, but look what we came up with. And that, you know, it's free yourself. You know, you got to be, anyway, not about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, in writing, we call that free writing, where we don't worry yeah, about yeah. our grammar choices. We don't worry yeah, about the tense. Yeah, we don't worry about yeah, what words yeah. we're using. Because you can get locked up like a computer, mm -hmm. for sure, you know, in what you're trying to do with your art and stuff. And sometimes you just have to walk away or take a breath and, you know, go, okay, and then, you know, I mean, and every artist knows that, then you, then you come back and you revisit, you go good, but when you're under a deadline, that doesn't make it any better. You know, <laughs> that's that's true, in the corporate done. world, it is, yeah. Yeah, you gotta get it done, figure yep. it out. Yep, 
by the way, I never came up with a diaper patent. So I guess I wasn't, you know, <laughs> a creative in, in PNG's mind at all. So, <laughs> yeah. so, okay. So let's say we put in our miles of canvas and we've um, studied with mentors and we've had our fair share of rejections. And then all of a sudden, and I don't think anybody can actually put their finger on what happens other than your work starts talking to people. And, you know, you'll like drive yourself crazy if you try to examine what exactly happened, but it just, it was just like kismet. It's just all of a sudden happened. So woohoo, we're in galleries now and we're going to call this myth number three. Um, and this is really important and um, essential really for business entrepreneurs, the business entrepreneur side of creative people. Um and it's the hardest thing to do, but again, it goes back to making sure that you know your value and the value of not just your work, but the value, your value as a person, as a creator, as a business person. Uh, and you really need to, to make sure that you stand your ground. John has been doing a lot of research uh, and, and looking into a lot of different galleries and you know what possibly could be going on there. But there are a lot of things that we need to to look at when a gallery approaches us. And yeah, it is a great compliment. It makes you feel wonderful that somebody else, it, you know, it's very validating. Somebody else, you know, likes your work, wants to try to sell it for you, et cetera. Um, but we also have to think about our future and the future of this world. So the first question I'm gonna put out there, um, Ralph, to you, cause I don't, John went somewhere. John, we have a dog <laughs> that just came into the scene here with a- Aw. Shiloh. As I look around for my cat, <laughs> my cats aren't here yet. Um, so I'm gonna put this to you. Are brick and mortar galleries a thing of the past? Do you think? No, I don't, I, you know, and I would, I, to me, I mean, you've got you've got digital and you've got brick and mortar too, and I think I'm. To me, it's very very important to be able to touch and feel, and and I you know and also, yeah, I can share with you here, and we can you know we could throw up some art and look at it and discuss and have the discussion and stuff. But I don't think you know to me going into a brick and mortar gallery, that's a whole different experience, and it's the same thing. You know, like I said, I was in retail shopping you know we would sit there and go oh when the internet came you don't really need brick and mortar stores anymore that's not true it's you know can i shop online i think the, I, I would call that person the guest that you're marketing to the guest wants to experience your art everywhere she or he can mm -hmm. and whether it's in the digital world or whether it's in a gallery it's important that you're there where she's going to be or he's going to be at any place in time if you truly want to expose the world to your art and 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 i think when you go into a gallery there's this whole i mean it's the scent it's the senses thing of it there's the smell of the art you know that's there that makes you kind of fall in love with it sometime or not um there's the you know and i know we're not supposed to touch but there's the texture that's on that mile of canvas that i might not pick up in a digital world there is you know um, and I know we're talking a little bit about the business world and galleries and, and marketing your art as well. well but there. <laughs> there's just when I go into the into a gallery and I have the chance to um, be with other appreciators of the art that's exhibited there, or even just I'm just by myself. To me, it's a, you know, and, and John might disagree, and 
he'll be back in the second. I, I, I don't think you can have one without the other. You know, I, I think you still need the galleries. I think, um, and, I, and I don't know what your thoughts are, Linda, in general on that, but I think you have to have both. Because um, I think as you're, again, I mean, as you're exposing your art or your thoughts or what you're doing, you want to be in as many touch points as possible to connect with that person that you go, I feel strongly about what I'm doing and I want somebody else to experience this with me mm-hmm. and engage with me on this. And I think that's going, yeah, it could be there, it could be here, it could be here, it could be here. I could be doing things on my finger that I go, this isn't in a gallery, but it's on my finger and I want to go out and show people. I just did this painting on my finger. I may have black paint on my fingers, but <laughs> that would be something I would sit there and say, yeah, you need it. You need it. And I, and I think in the digital world too, and, and, and I don't know, you're probably going to go into this a little bit about how do you keep from not getting taken advantage of? And, right. you know, when you, when you're out there, and I know we're kind of talking about that today, so I won't talk about that yet if you don't want me to. But um, yeah, yeah I think you, I think you got to have brick and mortar galleries, just personally. Yeah. That's me. If if we think about um, our experience of going to a museum to see past masters work, you know, we can see that on the internet, but when we see it in person, there's a whole oh, different a whole, experience yeah. that happens, right? Exactly. So we want that, and that's the kind of experience that we want to happen when we try to sell our art as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. It, the, pretty much the only, the the big difference is the past masters are dead. <laughs> so. Yeah, they are. They are, and they can't sit there and talk about it. Right. But their, their work is talking to you, and some probably somebody that was in, you know, in the loop or whatever, they're they're sitting there and they're telling that story of, or what they were told to be telling of that story. Right. Um, yeah, you missed me. Yeah, John Patton, <laughs> you know, um, the, the question was, do you think brick and mortar galleries are essential or that not a thing of the past? I think they are. And I think, again, it's a it's a matter of education, self-confidence, communication for an artist to be able to not only explain their why in a piece of artwork that they've done, uh, but to be able to, again, make that connection. And I think the more an artist can get out there and make that connection, the less people will go to galleries. They'll start to communicate amongst their friends, other curators, other buyers, and that's how they'll be recognized. Now, that may be a much slower process, and y'all may disagree with that, but I just think that, uh, yeah, galleries are asking too much of an artist. You know, let me put it in my gallery, I'll hang 10 of your paintings, and then they do nothing to market it. Yeah. Whereas an individual who represents you can do a better job, in my opinion. Or you can do it yourself. You can do a better job yeah. representing yourself. Or do it yourself. So, okay. So we have these these <laughs> two different answers, <laughs> which I think is awesome. Um, um, so let's, let's jump into, because I, I think you're going to find some common ground here between this, is how much power should a gallery have today? What percentage should an artist accept? You know, all around what what should be in the contract that's between the gallery? Because we certainly aren't going to jump away from galleries in the next, you know, in the short future, if you want to call it right. that. 
Um, because I mean, that's the model that everybody's looking on. Now, I will say that I think the gallery model has changed a lot from when we first started really having galleries. Um, maybe not for the better, but let's jump into a little bit and provide some guidance to to the artists that are listening about, you know, what are the things that you should be considering and looking at and making sure that you can there goes John again. <laughs> But, um, you know, that yeah. you can you just kind of talk a little bit about that, that contract that the artist invariably locks themselves into and, you know, pretty much handcuffs themselves because they have a belief that that's the only way that I'm going to make it, that I'm going to make money. I have to be in a gallery. I mean, there's probably a number of artists out there who would disagree with me and say, no, go rent some space from um, somebody that has an art district or someplace that has an art district. But let's really look at that business model too, because that business model is you're paying rent for a space. You're going to feel a need to do something that maybe doesn't help your value, doesn't help your image to, you're going to, you could possibly get locked into doing something totally different than what it is you want to do, which is sit in the ivory tower and paint for the rest of your life. And these things just sell themselves, which is also a myth. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but looking at, at that, let, let's talk, I mean, there's, there's, there seems to be a lot of handcuffs in a lot of different places, not just galleries. It could be in renting space for in an art district and how profitable that is. But those are just like two of the options that are available out there today, other than, you know, a digital art market storefront place or or um, your website, <clears throat> social media. You know, those are all the things that are out there today for artists to try to expose themselves. Each of them have pitfalls. So let's talk a little bit about, I don't know, the different contracts that you can go into with different places. And, um, you know, let's try to empower the artist a bit so that these handcuffs don't necessarily hurt as much as they do after they realize what it is they've done. Well, again, knowing knowing my stance on galleries, I think that the greatest galleries are along uh, Central Park in New York where the artist sets up a tent on the side of the sidewalk and says, here's my art, you know? Uh, and I'll probably get some letters from people that own galleries that are, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah but well I we do, knew that so <laughs> yeah, yeah but i just feel very strongly about that uh in terms of presentation and the artist actually being able to communicate with the buyer i went into an uh exhibit in nashville tennessee and i found this one piece that it, it was a show a local artist but i found this one piece that i really liked and I stood in front of it for probably two or three minutes. And before I knew it, the artist had recognized that and come up next to my shoulder and and said, well, what do you like about this piece? You know, so I, again, I just like Wait, that interaction. His, his yeah. first words weren't, I mean, you know, wasn't, it is for sale. <laughs> yeah. He didn't try to sell it right away, right? He yeah. tried to really bring you into the piece. And if I was if I was the artist, I'd probably walk over to it and put a red dot and go, "Oh, you missed this one." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, so Rob. Oh, sorry, that, sorry, John, go on. No, it's <laughs> just, <Whoever. laughs> just 
there's every you know every whether it's a gallery or a you know if you're in a, a rented uh, space it's a, a consortium group of you know of different studios and stuff that you can get exposure there's there's you know there's this to all of that there's a cost involved with it whether you you are there to give your voice when you're explaining to people about why i did this or what's important about this and if a gallery represents you obviously you do pay them for their representation because you can't hopefully you're in that ivory tower creating something else while they're talking about your work and exposing it to the world and it, it's it's some of sometimes it is a time thing that it helps you with and you know just like what we're talking about putting your art out digitally and you know in this world it's you can't be you you know you only have 24 hours in a day yeah. and if you're creating how do you do but you know you're obviously if you're if you're going to be exhibiting in a gallery space or or something else hopefully you have a collection of your work or you know there's something that you feel pretty proud of it's usually not just you know it might be one piece every once in a while depending on what it is but it's usually a, several pieces of your work that are out there that you're telling a story in the, this moment in time to people, and that's why you're exposing it in this gallery. But that takes time. Yeah. It takes time, and you can't, you know, and that's what I was I talked a little bit earlier about. It's the business side of it is perplexing, and it and it, it is very, very detail-oriented. And as you are an artist going through this, if you're not comfortable with any of that, any of that, you need to get somebody that helps you even before you get to the gallery that's representing you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've talked with, you know, through my career and stuff as people are in, in particular with like models, models and such, because they're, you know, they're the same thing. Their their face and their body is their that's what they're selling. Yeah. And they they have to, in order to be able to get out there and get more work, it's important that they get an agent. Now the agent's going to take a percentage of what they make for them, but if they don't have that agent produce, you know, pushing them, they're not going to get the exposure, and they're probably never going to get to this level, you know. And you just have to have in your mind, and the same thing with art, what you're going to kind of be willing to, what percentage of your art are you going to give to that person to represent you? Because you cannot, you can't be creating and doing it at the same time unless right. you're sitting there going, I'm paying right now and I'm doing this and fine. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. You yep. can't do it. And so I think you really have to have and it's not to say that you can't have right and left and you can't be a great artist and be a great business person, but you can't do it all. You you really need a, a support yeah. or, or you know a partner to it, I think. Well let me ask you both a loaded question <laughs> as an artist whether you're working like Ralph did, working for a company as kind of an internal artist and, and like Linda who paints and sells her paintings, how important is it do you think to get things in writing? Like for instance, if you're gonna go to a gallery, you know, don't you want to review what they're gonna offer you Absolutely. because yeah. you're paying them? Yeah, you need to think, have things yeah. in writing. Yeah, and, and you know, I didn't say that, but I wanted to say that. Yeah. Okay. If you don't, if you don't have a contract, if you don't have things written down and clearly, and it's, it, you know, it's implicitly understood by both parties yeah. exactly what's in it, you're going to get into trouble. And Linda, you can you can explain without mentioning the the, the artist's name, but we just ran across this recently. <laughs> someone said, oh well, I'm going to sign an exclusive 
or I'm going to give exclusive authority to this gallerist to represent my paintings. Well, what does exclusive mean? You know, you you, you need to define those things and understand those things. So. Yeah, I, I was kind of I was thinking when you went into this. I went I, I was working with a client recently that's built a new house and looking for art for the house. And <laughs> see my hand? See my hand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. um, not, I mean, multi-million dollar home. Yeah. Beautiful mm -hmm. home. And John's, you know, helped this person too with their house. And um, I've been, you know, going to different places in the area where we live. And one of those places happens to be a, ha a Habitat Restore place. Because I know going in there, I can get some beautiful pieces of furniture, beautiful pieces of art, and I'm not going to pay a whole lot for it. And the dollars that I'm going to be given to do this project that I'm working on are going to go that much further mm -hmm. to be able to help. But as I was sitting in there, just as we were, we've been talking through this, I was thinking about this. I was in that Habitat Restore probably the last two, three weeks, about five different times. And I planned, I would go to the art section and, you know, there's a lot of prints and lithographs and, you know, and, and different things. And I thought as we've been having this discussion, that artist that originally did that never or maybe would have thought, oh, it's going to end up in Habitat Restore. Yeah. You know, and we talk about the value of the artist, you know, and what it, you know, I created this and it has a life that's probably going to live on longer than me. That's right. You know, and it's out there and people are going to appreciate it. And what is that value? And, you know, in the great masters, you can sit there, their, their, their stuff just continues to, to just go crazy. And then I was like looking, you know, looking at some of this stuff and I go, why not this too? Why not this? Right. You know, why not this? And it has great to question. do with how it was presented to begin with, who embraced it, who brought it in, you know, to the rest of the world and how many people did you get to engage with it? Mm -hmm. You know, and and that person that had that in their home before it ended up in Habitat Restore, they probably they they appreciated it. But the person that, um, you know, the family member that was in there that had the estate sale or not or just donated, they didn't appreciate it. Yeah. They did not appreciate it. And, you know, we all hear art is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know, so there is that appreciation level for all of it. But it is, you know, it's, it is what it is. But it's you know it's a great it's a great world to be in yeah great world so going back to the example that john talked about with the person that was offered uh, by the gallery the gallery um offered this particular person a uh offer that they will exclusively represent them in their gallery so he will have no other gallery no other artists in that gallery at all and what and, and and I want to talk about an uh, example that happened to me. One of the very fine art galleries, very well known in Cincinnati, um, offered me the opportunity to be in their gallery. And I think as artists, when fine art galleries that are very well known um, and know that they represent the upper echelon of artists. Okay, when you get asked in to that gallery, it's like your mind disappears. It just evaporates. It goes into smoke. You'll do anything to get into that gallery. Okay, 
Yeah. Uh, I signed a contract. Uh, I asked probably three questions um, and they weren't anything that was big. It's like, can I still show my art digitally? Well, of course you can, because if you, especially if you tell them that it's here at my gallery, because I'm going to get 50% of that, but who's doing the marketing? Who's representing me? I'm representing myself still, but the gallery just said, yeah, of course you can do that. And I took that off of their plate and put it on mine. So now all of a sudden I'm not standing behind my easel painting. I'm out trying to digitally sell my work in a gallery who should be out there selling it for me. Yeah. So, well, yeah, but but that would be something that I would sit there and say in the contract that you, you said you asked three questions, but you know, initially in that contract, there's there should have been something that you said, and what will be your beyond putting me on your wall, yeah. what what's involved with this and what period of time, you know, that you're going to come that you're going to you go, are you going to put me in this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel? How many days of exposure are you going to give me or how many, you know, how many views are you going to guarantee um, that I will get by participating in that? I think all of those things anymore should be a part of a contract, you know, any exactly. of anybody that's, you know, that's exhibiting your work. It, it yeah. should be. And, you know, it's not all of that has to be, again. Don't leave a lot of variables out on the table because right. people are going to, you know, and, and sometimes it's not an intent. It's not intended, but it happens. It yeah. happens. And you have to, you have to protect your work. You have right. to protect it because it is yours. It's right. yours. And even though you're exhibiting over here and it is hard, like you said, it's hard to turn down that offer when yeah. you know that if you go in there, that means a lot. Yeah. And and, 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 you know, the other two questions that I asked were really questions I shouldn't have asked anyway. Okay. I mean, they weren't important. Let's just put that word on it. Um, they were, but, and, and, but they were important to you. Yeah, they were. They were important to you. And, but and, the questions and I, I, but the questions I should have been asking is exactly what you said, Ralph. How many yeah. people are you going to get in to look at this painting? Right. How are you yeah. going to market this? Those weren't the well, questions I was asking. Okay. Yeah, but, but I would sit there and say, to you know, and not and not just Linda, anybody, and and again, this is having having a partner or having a community around you. And I think you know what you and John, you know, what you're doing with you know with this this today, that's important. I mean, it's important to listen and glean from that. And, and to learn from others and to have them, you know, because somebody has probably traversed that before you did. Oh, yeah. And they, and they will share that, you know, and say, this happened to me. You might want to, you know, you might want to look out for that. Yeah. So, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt. And again, we, and I love that how you describe it up in the ivory tower creating, because that's <laughs> where we all want to be. Right. You know, and you do want it. It is a very solitary, it's a solitary journey, you know, yeah. when you are creating because you're feeling something. Yeah, but, um, but it, uh, yeah, it's it was it's it was really kind of interesting because um, sadly, the uh, person that the gallery that I was in, the gallery owner, his whole motive was to get on Art Chat, which is my really? the podcast that you guys are on. Yeah, so, so he was for him. Was yeah, so for him, the tip for tat was, or the you know, I I can't remember the Latin phrase for it now quid pro quo was yeah. I'll put two or three of your paintings. I'll have you in my gallery. I'll put your name on my website saying that we represent you. You sign the contract 
And oh, by the way, can I come on our chat and talk about, you know, how collectors can collect and da 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 da. And I was more than welcome for, I mean, he, he could have done this without putting me in his gallery. I would have been okay with him contacting me and saying, I want to talk about what collectors look for because it's a legitimate conversation for art chat. But instead, I was blown away by the fact that this gallery, which is one of the top three in the area that I lived at, uh, wanted me in their gallery thinking that it was because of my work. So right there and then I should have stepped back and said, wow, this is a total misrepresentation of the whole the whole thing that happened. Yep. By signing the contract, he effectively kept me out of all of the other galleries because I couldn't go into a gallery within 100 miles yeah, we'll of be that particular gallery. So yeah. again, all, all, you know, all we're saying is, Live and learn. I lived. I lived and learned. <laughs> okay. Be careful. But, be yeah. Be careful. careful. Look yeah. at what you're signing on for. Are there any other things that are going on that maybe should raise a red flag? And yep. not everybody has a podcast, but you know there are things that you need to say. You need to really find out. Are they interested in you because your work is stellar, and you belong there, and they're going to market you because they believe in you? Right. They doing it for something else. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and it's yeah. the same kind of conversation that that we get into that John mentioned when the person calls. I mean, it sounds wonderful when a gallery calls you and say, "I want to I want to show your work exclusively." So let's talk about the downfalls of that. Does that does exclusively mean that this artist can only go into that gallery and he can't go into any other gallery in the United States? internationally can they post on the on the internet can they represent themselves or is this gallery going to do all of the representations to everything can they show in a museum what does exclusive mean okay what are you signing away with that and if the person says oh you can still do all that then my question would become then it's well, not exclusive why? is it yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and what um, I and what I said to to the the person who sought out my guidance on this was, if he just wants to show your art in his gallery, what's stopping him today? True, he could show it. Yeah, yeah that gallery yeah. person could say, you know what, the only person that ever sells is X Y Z artist, so X Y Z artist is all I'm going to show in my gallery. End of story. And that the gal the artist that he's showing then retains all of his rights to do whatever he wants. He still retains the rights on the art that he's showing, by the way. But you know, every nothing changes. It's just that that particular but, gallery owner said, I'm just gonna show you on my yeah. walls. See, I risked my case. Well, <laughs> you as the artist, you know, if somebody's offering you an exclusive you know, this is an exclusive. There has to be something attached to that gallery that you go, a cachet that, you know, that's attached to that gallery that you go, that matters to me, that yeah. they would exclusively want to, to represent me. But you are definitely, you know, and again, you have to sit there and go, okay, if this, they're exclusively representing me, how many people are coming in there again? How many, 
how much are they going to promote me? What's going on there? Because you are limiting yourself. What's and what's my guarantee? You know, if yeah. I let you represent me in a gallery, what happens if you don't sell but three paintings in five years? But that's all not a big. <laughs> that, You're getting a little close to the mark, John. <laughs> yeah, but those line items all have to be in the pot. I mean, it all has to be contractually thought out and put together, and and you can put from a legal standpoint, you can write your contract any which way that makes you. Happy, and then so will the gallery too. They'll go, well, this is our, this is our standard thing. And you go, you know, and you have to kind of go through arbitration and go, I agree, I don't agree, I agree, I don't agree, yeah. I agree, I don't agree. And then, you know, hope, you know, maybe you come out with something that you agree on, and maybe you never do, you yeah. don't, and then you kind of walk, both sides walk. But there's, re you know, you know, you're sitting there, and you said, what does exclusive mean? Well, you know, I was going to say, well, look it up in the dictionary and see what it means. <laughs> you know. And, and, but it is there. It, there's something special when you say the word exclusive or exclusively, mm -hmm. right? And and it makes you feel wonderful. Yeah, depending on how that's attached to what that means, it can be a good thing or it can be really bad. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's exactly what it comes down to. Is what you, you've said, Ralph, and what you've said, John. Is you know, look at your value. Bring yourself back down to earth. You know, everybody, you know, we all want to be accepted. I don't care if we are accepted or not accepted. We all want to be accepted. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you get these wonderful offers, but you got to put that business hat on and you got to say yep. what That's really right. works for me. And being exclusively in one gallery who does a wonderful job of representing you, whatever that means. Okay. And hopefully you've def defined it. Um maybe your thing so right. it could be that you want to be exclusive in the eastern part of the country with this one particular gallery and in the western part of the country another particular gallery and in france with a third gallery right. so there's all kind of you but going into any negotiation you have to know what you're willing to take and sacrifice and you know you have to know what your position is otherwise like what happened with me, you will be taken advantage of. Yeah, I can tell you that my paintings, including the one that you love, John, was in his gallery. Yeah. And I can tell you that probably nobody ever saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was the one that he picked up, he looked at, he really liked, but he never promoted it. But, wow. he, got, but he got on our chat three wow. times. Yeah. That's okay. right. So, well, hopefully he'll watch this one. Right. And he'll go, look what I did. Yeah. I'm back on the chat again. <laughs> so, folks, don't let gallerists blow smoke at your palate. Oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, um, we've been here for a while. I appreciate your insight. I'd love to do this again with some other myths. Hopefully our listeners uh, have gotten some points to, to walk away, way, away with and, and help them in their journey. I think they actually have. Um, so thank you for joining us, uh, and joining, being on our chat. And, and again, we're going to do this again, because I, I think thank it's you. very, thank you, Linda. extremely yeah. enjoyable. We'll catch you next time. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, John. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.
Art Chat is made possible by the support of the Artistics Harmonies Association. Create your next aha experience with us.